If you've been with us, uh, we're in the fourth week of this series on Where's Trust. We've talked about um, anger and jealousy. And last week, Pastor Gail talked about control and how control can divide our relationship with God, how control can limit our willingness or our ability to trust God, and it creates a divide. Um, I hope you're wrestling with this series. That's my prayer that you're wrestling with this series. I'm wrestling with this series. I'm up here teaching. As you've heard Pastor Gail say before, that when you teach a topic, it's always either the week of or the week after that you wrestle with it. So here we go. So can we be honest? We're in church. Remember, we're in church. Can we be honest with each other for a minute? Who struggles with pride? Okay, a couple of you. Good. Who's prideful? Who struggles with pride? I love the fact that some of you are so proud, you're you're too proud to hold up your hand. I love that. If we were really honest with each other, that's part of it, right? I would assume that at some level we all struggle with pride. And to prove my point, I'm going to use a little example. See, we don't ask questions from the stage at church without really knowing the answer to the question sometimes. So here's my example. You receive a photograph. It's a group picture, and you're in that group. When you receive that photograph from somebody who's the first person you look for in that picture... Yourself, right? If that picture of you is a good picture of you, regardless of the rest of the group looks horrible or not, what is that? That's a good picture, right? Forget the rest of the group. But if the rest of the group looks really smart, really sharp, and you're not having a good moment where your eyes are open or closed, your head's turned, your mouth's open weird, that then becomes a bad picture, right? Be honest, we're in church. That's pride. That's pride. That's pride. Okay? So that's where we're kind of going today. Um, we all deal with pride at some level, um, one way or the other. If you've got a Bible, if you've got a, an, an e-version of the Bible, if, you've got, uh, if you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible in front of you. We're going to turn to Isaiah 14. Which I believe this story in Isaiah actually gives us the first, chronologically, the first example of sinful pride in Scripture. In fact, what we're going to talk about in Isaiah actually happened before Adam and Eve. It actually happened long before Adam and Eve. And this was Isaiah talking about when Lucifer decided that he wanted to be God or he wanted to be greater than God. His pride got him a one-way ticket out of heaven. And so, um, let's look at Isaiah 14, verses 13 and 14. And if you look in, in, in the Bible, it says, you said it in your heart. So this is Lucifer's words. This is Lucifer's words that he said in his heart. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain." I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Five times Lucifer says, I will in two verses. I will. I will. I will. I will. I will. Got him kicked out of heaven. Pride got him kicked out of heaven. Contrast Lucifer's words, I will, with the words of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Christ doesn't say, I will, but He says, Thy will be done. 
Christ understood even as being part of the triune God that He submitted to the Father. That He was humble before the Father. The question is, is it going to be about us or is it going to be about Him? What I want or what God wants? Lucifer answered the question for himself. For Lucifer, it was about pride. For us sometimes, it's about pride as well. Today we're going to talk about just that sinful condition called pride. All of us deal with it. I I deal with it on a daily basis. When Beth and I first met, I still played somewhat competitive softball. Played four or five nights a week, traveled around, played. I remember the first time she came out to watch me play. And I was puffed up. Woo! And all I thought about was all I got to do is hit two or three home runs and she's going to want to marry me and have a dozen kids with me. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Guess how many home runs I hit when she was out there? None. I'm not even sure I hit one out of the infield. I was what they call in athletics, pressing. So pride is when we think we're hot and we're not. Pride is dangerous. It's a dangerous heart condition that we're going to talk about today. Let's look at what Scripture says about it. When we look at Proverbs, Proverbs says pride goes before what? Destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16.5 says this. The Lord detests, detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go, what? Unpunished. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. 1 Peter 5 says this. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It doesn't sound like a winning battle for the proud. It doesn't. It doesn't. So some people will say to me, oh, I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud of what God's doing in my church. I'm proud of my neighborhood and what's going on in my neighborhood. I'm proud of these types of things. Different type of pride. We're going to talk about sinful pride today. We're going to talk about Selfish pride today. We're going to talk about pride that's based on me and not on other things. We're, we're not talking about those healthy types of, I'm proud of my kids. I'm proud of my family. I'm proud of my church. I'm proud of my God. Those aren't sinful types of pride. But we're going to definitely talk about sinful pride today. And I would propose today that, we're, that there are three types of sinful pride. that we're, And we're going to discuss all three today. The first one is really probably when we think about pride, it's probably the one that really comes to mind for you. When we think about pride, it really comes to mind for me, and that's, that's the, what I'm going to call, I am better than you pride. I'm better than you. There was a woman that came to Pastor Gale and said, Pastor, I think um, I'm suffering from pride and vanity. As I walk around the church, I realize, and I look at all these women around me, I realize that I'm a lot more beautiful than they are. And Pastor Gale said, That's not pride. That's a mistake. Your assertion is wrong. So, so, man, that fell on, that was kind of quiet. That got kind of quiet right there, didn't it? We were friends like five minutes ago and all of a sudden I turn on you and it's like, what in the world? So, yeah. So how does, how does this I am better than you pride show up? How does it show up? And, and, And maybe you're not able to identify it in your own life. But how does it show up? And I would propose one of the ways it shows itself is as a critical attitude or a critical heart. If you find yourself criticizing how other people do it, how other people do things, 
Look at the way she does that. That's not how I would do it. Look at what he's doing over here. Who would possibly do that? I can do it better than them. I can, you know. It becomes this reflection of a proud heart. It becomes, I know I'm right. I know I'm better than them. I, I did. They didn't. I can. They can't. Sadly, and really scary, we see spiritual pride as being a really ugly form of this I am better than you pride. We have the corner on truth. We, we worship the God our way, and it's the right way. We know what you don't know. I would never do what this no good sinner is doing over here. I'm better than them. I'm holier than them. I'm more righteous than them. We see that in the church. We see that inside the church. The problem is the world sees that too at times. We also see I am better than you pride in marriages sometimes. I'm always right. My spouse is always wrong. That's a pretty simple one. I believe it, which makes it true. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'm better than you pride is very, very dangerous. There's a great illustration in Luke chapter 18 when Jesus is teaching and he's talking about a Pharisee and he's talking about a tax collector. And what we know about Pharisees are that they were righteous, but they were righteous in appearance. They, they wore these really kind of uh, religious, kind of gaudy robes. Um, they tithed off of everything, and they were very proud of the fact they tithed off of everything. Um, they fasted two days a week so they could pray. And so when they entered the church, they wanted everybody to be aware that they were entering the church. And then Christ contrasts that and talks about a tax collector. And the tax collector was was um, Jewish by birth, but he worked for the Romans. He was basically a traitor to his own people. He was there to collect the taxes um, for the Romans. But he wasn't just collecting taxes. He was taking commission on every tax he collected. So if your bill was $4,000, John, and I was a tax collector, you owe us $5,000. And $4,000 would go off to the Roman Empire, and that 1000 would come to me. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew it. So he, they were despised. So we get into Luke, and we get into chapter 18, and Christ is talking about this. And he's, and he, and, and he's talking about the Pharisee that went to pray. You know what? Let me, read it. Let me read it. Let me read it out of the Bible to you. He's talking about this Pharisee, and the Pharisee actually gets to the gets to the temple and he prays for himself and about himself. And so Christ's words, it says this. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. It would be nice if we started having pointed prayers in church. We started pointing people out and praying. I mean, isn't that crazy? That's nuts. All right. Um, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood off at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Christ's words. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. 
So you see a contrast of pride versus the humble. So even though man had disdain for the tax collector because the tax collector identified himself humbly before God, he was exalted. He was raised up. Fifth grade Sunday school teacher asked one of the fifth grade boys, do you understand the moral of that story? And the boy said, I sure do, and I'm really glad I'm not like that Pharisee. A little bit lost. A little bit lost. But we know that God opposes the proud. The verses we looked at earlier say that. We know that. But He loves to give grace to the humble. So the first type of pride is I am better than you pride. The second type of pride, and this is the one that really hits me hard, the one I struggle the most with is I can handle it myself pride. I can handle it myself pride. Do you struggle with this? I know a lot of people who do struggle with this. Do you have a different do you have a hard time asking others for help? Do you have a hard time, even in your low moments, to ask others for help? I just don't want to bother you. I can do it myself. I'll muddle through. I'll get by. We'll be okay. Do you find it hard to receive from others? Someone blesses you with something. Do you have a hard time receiving that? Do you have a hard time taking that in? No, I'm not worth it. No. Oh no, I don't want that. Give it to somebody else in more need than me. That's pride. That's pride. I can handle it myself. Here's one I bet you didn't consider. If you have a very on-again, off-again prayer life, I would propose that you struggle from I can handle it myself pride. Because the Word of God says we're to take all matters to the Lord in prayer. We're to, we're to pray in all situations. So if you're struggling with your prayer life and it's very on-again, off-again, Maybe get introspective and look at, am I trying to cut God out of this? Am I not being submissive to God? Am I not trusting God with all matters in my life if I'm, if I'm not praying at all times? Is that something that maybe is pride driving that? Because you're really saying to God, I got this one. I don't need your help with this one. It's small enough that I'll take care of it. I would propose that's pride. I struggle with this. Every time I drive somewhere, everybody else is a horrible driver. I'm a great driver. Um, I think when you get on the road, you see it. I won't ask for directions anywhere. I won't ask a map. I won't ask the devil himself. I won't do it. I don't believe in them. Don't need them. We'll get there eventually. I took a boss of mine up into uh, the Pigeon River Forest area one time. And we got lost. And uh, we were there a couple hours. He wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. And I knew that maps and GPS showed all these two-track trails through this state forest to be paved roads. And he didn't know that. So he kept looking at his phone going, hey, we need to turn. And I said, no, we don't. This is my boss. And I said, uh, we'll get out eventually. And he's like, can we stop and ask somebody? I said, there's nobody to ask. I got it. We're fine. You'll be all right. We'll get through it. Two and a half hours later, we got to dinner. I don't want to say my evaluation was impacted by the fact that I was too proud to ask for directions, but we had a pretty good talk at dinner about that. So, so, um, in Luke 15, Christ talks about the prodigal son, and there's pride in that story about the prodigal son. Um, there was, a, and he starts off. There was a father with two sons. The younger one said to his father, "Father, give me my share of the estate." And what you can really hear between the lines is, Dad, I want mine. Give me mine. 
you're cramping my style. I want out. I don't want to be under your rules or your roof anymore. Turn me loose. If it was a modern-day story, this kid went out and maxed out all the credit cards. He got tattooed and pierced all over. He hung out with loose women, and he burned it all up. And then he went and lived on a friend's couch for a while until that friend got sick of him and kicked him out. And then the Bible says he came to his senses. He came to his senses. He actually said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out, and I will go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Do you see that contrast? Boy, he was, he was beyond proud culturally when he went to his father and said, I wish you to be dead because I want mine now. That's beyond proud. That's beyond pride at that point. And yet he finds humbleness, he finds contriteness as he goes back and asks for forgiveness. Pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. God opposes the proud but gives grace. God lifts up those who are humble and broken before him. So what does this mean? If you battle with I can do it myself pride, what does this mean for you? It's time to humble yourself. It's time to ask for help. How does it play out? Some of you, some of you, in your marriages, they're troubled. And I know that you believe that counseling is for wusses. I know that. And you say, no, we got this. I'm telling you, you don't. And it's okay. There's help. Go seek help. Get humble. Um, open up your life. Opening up your life to others creates vulnerability. It also creates humbleness. So do that. Ask for help and receive it. Others of you are addicted to something and you think to yourself, I can handle it. I can stop this anytime I want. And I'm going to tell you right now, hear me. Hear me. Lovingly, I'm going to tell you, if you haven't stopped yet, you can't stop without help. Okay? Get help. Ask for help. You need help. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Open up to your spouse, open up to your pastor, open up to that person that you trust, that you're accountable to, and let them know. Let them know that you're struggling. Because if you haven't been able to control it yet, you're not able to control it at all. It's a lie. It's a lie. And pride is driving that lie for you. The only reason we don't ask for help is because of pride. It's really because of pride. So I am better than you, pride. I can handle it myself, pride. The third type of pride is this. It doesn't apply to me, pride. It doesn't apply to me. There may be rules, but they don't apply to me. This is a loaded question because we're across a couple generations. Who remembers Muhammad Ali? I float like a butterfly. I sting like a yada, yada, yada. I'm Muhammad Ali. I don't remember the second line of that ever. Does anybody remember that second line you used to say? I float like a butterfly. I sting like a bee. Nothing. Okay, me either. I got it. Me either. Um, but he struggled with that somewhat. There's a story about Muhammad Ali on a plane, and he was getting ready to travel. And the flight attendant came up to him and said, Sir, you need to buckle your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali said, and Muhammad said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the flight attendant said, Superman didn't need a plane. <laughs> okay? Well, I'm above the rules. Those rules don't apply to me. 
Anybody take 12 items into that checkout lane that says 10 items only? You might struggle with rules. Might not apply to you. Might not apply to you. Scripture teaches different things, though. Adultery to lust after a woman, and yet I know of men that regularly look at pornography and say, it just helps me get through. It just helps me get through. They're just dealing with things. It doesn't apply to me. Um, we're just going to live together before we get married. It's not a problem. Just going to save some money. We're going to justify that. We're going to do whatever. Scripture tells us something else. Those rules don't apply to me. I know as Christ some of the some of the, some of the greatest blessing comes from serving, and yet at times when we ask for people to help serve in a ministry, yeah, I'm just here to hang out for an hour. I'm gonna check out. That doesn't apply to me. I was at a conference. Oh, it's been a long time ago. It's probably been 15 years. I was at a conference in Cleveland with both an internal team and some clients, and um, I was joking around about bad drivers. We were actually talking about bad drivers. You know those people that you're getting ready to come up to a construction zone and you've been really dutiful and you move over to the left lane and those cones are, you see the sign, you see the flashing light and those cones at some point are going to merge you over but there's always that guy, right? That guy. You see him in your mirror and you're like, he's coming and he thinks I'm going to give him grace up here. No, sir. No, no. Or you've got, or, or you know, that person that cuts you off or whatever in traffic, whatever. So we this was actually a conversation over dinner, and I had, there's probably 15, 16 people at the table. The next day, the next day, I had a uh, vice president of sales riding with me to a, a very meaningful meeting after that meeting. And different vice president than what I got lost up north, different guy. I just want to, I don't want to connect dots here that I've got an issue of taking taking people on a ride. But he was part of he was part of this discussion. So we got to almost where the meeting was going to take place in this office building. I could see the exit. The traffic stopped. I'm taking my boss to a meeting. It's a really important meeting. I mean, this was tens of millions of dollars on the table. And I started getting nervous. And I started justifying I could see the exit. If I just pop off here on the shoulder, about a half mile up, I can get off. Be perfect. And so I I thought, you know what? I can't be late. I don't want to miss this meeting. I don't want to apologize to my boss. I don't want to apologize to anybody else about missing this completely. And so it got to be a point where I kind of jumped out. Boop, I'm out. I'm on the shoulder. And I'm in no man's land because I've never done this before. But I'm thinking, I can justify this. I can do this. So... Just as I'm getting off the exit ramp, the car kind of goes in front of me and gets off. And it kind of gets weird. So I get up to the stoplight at the top of the exit ramp, and this guy in front of me turns left, and I turn left, and I'm heading to the, the office. And then it's going to be kind of a weird right, and then it's going to be another hard left. And this guy in front of me takes a weird right, and then a hard left. And then he pulls into the parking lot where I'm going. This guy I'm meeting with, which he eyeballs me from the time I pull into the shoulder up to the entrance, up up to the exit ramp, the whole way. And so I don't park next to him. But when I get out of the car, I'm six three. He notices. 
our first 15 minutes of that meeting were awkward. Awkward. Because he was part of the conversation. He was part of the conversation, and he said, weren't you the guy that was talking about people that do that? Didn't I see you do that? And I said, ho, ho, ho. I can justify my actions. That's pride. Rules don't apply to me. I can find times when the rules don't apply to me. You understand? I mean, my parents struggled when I was a kid because I, I was the kid. I got grounded one time. Not one time. I got grounded a lot. Okay. I got grounded a lot. But this one time I got grounded. And here's how bad it is for my parents. Not for me, but for my parents. I got grounded and it popped in my head. You're grounded to the yard. And my dad came home from the office and my parents lived on a cul-de-sac and I was way down the street on the sidewalk on my bike. And dad pulled in the street and rolled down his window and said, what are you doing? What do you mean? You're grounded to the yard. And I said, well, here's the thing, dad. I've been thinking about that. The sidewalk runs through the yard. And the sidewalk to me seems like a continuation of a property. So I figure as long as I stay on the sidewalk, I'm good. I'm, I wasn't so good. I wasn't so good. I'm just, I'm just saying, I wasn't so good. And it sounds like I would have made a really good lawyer. I lost that case. I lost that case. I represented myself in that court, and I lost. I lost. King David was like this in the Old Testament. King David was like this in the Old Testament. Scripture says that one time, when kings went off to war, King David didn't go. He didn't go. He didn't go and do what he's supposed to do. He didn't go to where he's supposed to go. He was doing something he wasn't supposed to do. He was looking at something he wasn't supposed to look at. And then he committed adultery. He thought he was above the rules. He looked over and he looked at his people and said, see that naked lady, she looks pretty good to me, bring her here. After taking the other guy's wife, he made an order which basically led to the murder of his good friend, Uriah. He betrayed a friend and had him killed. The rules don't apply to me. Nathan the prophet called King David on this and he told him a story. You can read that story. Um, I'm going to summarize it. It goes a little bit like this. There was a rich guy with lots of sheep and lots of cattle. And there was a poor guy with one little bitty lamb. The poor guy came to the rich guy's house and instead of the rich guy offering him one of his of his from his flock, the rich guy took and killed the poor guy's little lamb and fed it to him. And Nathan told David the story, and David was like, that's the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. The scripture actually says his heart burned with anger. David was like, we got to punish this guy. This just isn't right. And Nathan looked at David, and he said this word. Auta-ish. Auta-ish. Say that. Auta-ish. Auta-ish. Means you are that man. You are that man. Auta-ish. You are that man. May I say lovingly and humbly that there are those of you that are living with this kind of pride. It doesn't apply to me. And may I say this. Auta-ish. If you think you're a woman that gets out of that because I'm saying you are the man, Auta Isha. You are the woman. You are the woman. Auta Isha. There's an, is there an area of your life where you're saying, you know what, this doesn't apply to me. I'm not happily married. I know that God hates divorce and all that stuff, but you don't know, forget this marriage. It doesn't apply to me. 
I know that God says that we're stewards of everything and 10% is supposed to go to God, but you know what? That doesn't apply to me. Autaish. Autaish. Are you in direct rebellion to God's truth? Are you in direct rebellion to the truth of God? If you are, it's time to humble yourself. It's time to draw close to God. Humble yourself. Love and serve others. If you believe that you can handle it on your own, I'm here to tell you you cannot. You cannot. Ask for and receive help. If you believe that God's truth does not apply to you, humble yourself. A couple of thoughts I want to leave you with that I hope that you will receive and understand that I speak these in the same battle that you're in. I struggle with pride. At times it, it, it divides my trust from God. But it's really this, and here's the truth I want to leave you with. The prouder you are, the further you fall from God. The prouder you are, the further you fall from God. Now here's the contrast of that. The closer you are to God, the more humble and broken you are, or you become. The more full of self that we are, the more that God opposes us and resists us. The more we know Him, the more that we can't do anything else but be humble before Him, the closer He draws us to Him. Let me give you one more illustration from the Old Testament. Isaiah 5, Isaiah was looking at the people. He was comparing himself to the people. And he was identifying different groups of people. And he's basically saying, you losers. Woe to you, this group. Woe to you, this group. Woe to you that believe that um, evil is good and good is evil. Woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. He's, he's, I mean, it's, if, you read, if you read that chapter of Isaiah 5, it's a pretty condemning chapter. And yet, when Isaiah saw the Lord, everything changed. Isaiah went from that attitude of woe to you to woe is me. Woe is me. Um, it says this in chapter 6. It starts chapter 6. When I saw the Lord high and seated up, high and lifted up, I was speechless. Scripture says it this way. I saw the Lord seated on the throne high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Above Him were seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one, to one another, Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. And then in verse 5, instead of saying, woe to you, when he saw the Lord, he instead, Isaiah says, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King and the Lord Almighty. The prouder you are, the further you will fall from God. The closer you are to God, the more humble and broken you become. When I saw the Lord, I cried and woe to me, because I am nothing. Luke fourteen eleven. the words of Christ again say this, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and, who, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Um, what I would ask today is that you reflect upon what we talked, or talked about. Prayerfully consider, are there one of these three types of sinful pride that press it on your heart. I know, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I can do it myself, 
is is the one for me. It's it's I don't need help. I got this. I got it. I got it. I got it. I don't 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 bless me. I have a hard time receiving. It's that thing for me that is the most challenging. Um I think we, what we've got to, what we've got to figure out is we look at where our trust lies. Are we allowing pride to be that thing that drives a wedge between us and God? If we are truly submitting, if we're truly following the Word of God, if we're truly, if we're truly, um, followers of Christ, followers of the truth of God, are we going to allow pride or anger or control to be that thing that keeps us from fully just resting in our trust in God. I say no, don't, don't. Spend time, let this press on your heart. Repent, humble yourself. As I said before, if you need help, seek help. If you don't know where to turn, come talk to me, come talk to Pastor Gail. We'll direct you to a resource. We'll direct you to someone, maybe it's ourselves, that can, that can help you work through some of those challenges. Um, let us know. Let us know if there's a way... Um, you can alleviate pride from your life, that you can find the ability to trust in God completely and solely. That's where, that's the only place that trust belongs. Let's pray. Father God, we just uh, thank you today, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We just ask that you would forgive us of our pride today, Lord, that you would cleanse our hearts, that you would Make us more like Jesus, that you would eliminate from us that our will be done, but instead make it thy will be done. Lord, we just, uh, we're here to serve, Lord. We're here to serve you. We're here to serve others, Lord. Allow us to be mindful of that. Allow us to identify those areas of our life that eliminate trust in you. Allow us to identify pride that sinks in and that we buy into, Lord, that the enemy uses as a tool to separate us from you. Allow us to give that to you, Lord. Allow us to free ourselves from it. Allow us to receive and understand and appreciate your truth and allow our life to be ultimately changed so that we're doing your will and not our will, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather together today and receive your word and we just pray all this in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ.